Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer long. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead. Till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the trumpet call obey. Forth to the mighty conflict, in this his glorious day, ye who are men now serve him against unnumbered foes. Courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. Arm of flesh will fail you, ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never walking there. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. This day, the noise of battle, the next, the victor's song. To him that overcometh, a crown of life shall be. He with the King of glory shall reign. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own strength. Oh, but there's mighty strength available for us and in us. Praise the Lord. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captive, captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? <clears throat> now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower part of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascends up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of, of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, 
that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lavishness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so, be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off the concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. All right. So we, in the last couple messages, have been looking at the fact that God created man in his own image. We looked at what was lost in the fall because something was lost in the fall that relates to the image of God. And as we looked on this, we realized that it was access to the tree of life. We realized that uh, Adam and Eve had access to the tree of life they were uh, able and allowed, if you will, to partake of the tree of life. We realized that, recognized that what the tree of life represented, of course, was the source of life. And the source of life is the knowledge of God. They were able to learn more and more and more about God as they lived in the garden. So when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, just as God had promised they died. Well, they went on to live physically because we're here. So what happened was they were separated. God drove man out from the garden because of his offense, because the one tree we have record of that they were denied access to, they partook of it. Yes, Eve was deceived. Uh, Adam followed right along with her. But the point is, they were now denied access to the tree of life that dwelled in the midst of the garden. So, God created Adam in his own image. God created you in his own image in your new life. You are a new creature. You have been given access, the very access that Adam was denied and that is access to Jesus Christ, access to the tree of life. Who is the source of life? I'm not saying that Jesus was a tree or a tree was Jesus. I'm just saying that that's the point at that tree, that they were able to go there and partake of it and learn more of God. They didn't know everything about God. Nobody does. God is past finding out. They were newly not born, but created. 
they were learning more and more of God. And when we do that, like them, we become stronger and stronger in the Lord and in our walk with Him. We now have access to Jesus Christ. The new man is created by God in righteousness and holiness. In Ephesians chapter 4, Isaiah just read it for us. Verse 22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. We still have that old man in us to a degree, but he's being put down. He's being left behind. We're being drawn closer and closer to the Lord in this walk, closer and closer in this saving knowledge of Him that He's given us. And no, this knowledge doesn't continue uh, progressively to save us. We're saved. If He quickened your heart and He saved you, you're as saved as you're ever going to be. God doesn't change. He's all-powerful. But He increases us in knowledge of Him and in strength to live for Him as we partake of Jesus Christ, as we partake of the source of life or the tree of life that has been restored, the access has been restored to God's children. All right. All of the attributes that were lost when man was driven from the Garden of Eden and denied access to this saving knowledge of God, all of these are now being renewed in us who are they called according to God's purpose. Yes, Romans 8 says that all things work for our good. Those that love the Lord, why do we love Him? Because He loved us and He saved us and He gave us this saving knowledge of Him. For us to realize that when He died on that cross, He died for you. Personally, you. You're an individual. There's no one ever been or ever will be exactly like you. He's always known you. Even when He created Adam, He created you in Adam. That's how awesome God is. All right. After the fall, instead of uh, man seeking or saying to himself, Thy will be done, God, now he said, My will be done. Man's free will is bound by the sinful nature that he finds himself living in. Did they have free will? I believe they did. I believe that's one of the things that was lost in the fall. It was lost because now they find themselves seeking their own will rather than the will of God. They find themselves living for themselves rather than living for God. And this nature is passed down to us. That's why Paul in these writings over and over warns us about the lust of the flesh, warns us about the love of the things of the world, doesn't he? Over and over. 
because he lived it. He lived it and he understood it. All right, we looked in Revelation 22. Let's do that again. Revelation 22. I'm going to read a few verses from chapter 21 first. Revelation 21, 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Now, he dwells with us now. But we don't have the relationship now with him that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden. Not in its fullness. But it's coming. It's coming. Behold, the tabernacle or the dwelling place of God is with men. And He will dwell with them and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. That day's coming. That we have to look forward to. All right. Now Revelation 22 and verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. I always, when I read that, I think of the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. He told her, if you'd asked me, I would have given you living water. And he who drinks of this living water that I have to give shall never thirst again. So it's living water. And showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was the tree of life. It's the same tree of life. Remember, God doesn't change. It's the same source of life. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And yes, we could get off on the number twelve and and uh, all all of that, and it, it's a it's a study. It really is. It's a deep study. But not this morning. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. Remember when God drove Adam out of the garden, He cursed the ground for Adam's sake. That's going away. This new heaven and new earth will not have a curse. And God will dwell there with His people. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. I'm proud to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their forage. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. All right. We looked last week a little bit at this. And we saw that this river of water of life proceeded, it flowed out of the throne of God. And we saw that this tree of life was growing in the middle of this river of water of life and on both sides of the river of the water of life. And I gave my opinion on that 
that I believe it's because this tree is a vine. The vine, it's growing on both sides of the river and in the middle of this river. Who said, I am the vine? It was the Lord Jesus Christ, you see. Again, I say, God never changes. And here we see an example of God giving a life to mankind. This water of life flows from the throne of God. Jesus is there too, and of the Lamb, it said. It flows through this vine or this tree of life. And it provides life where? To all of God's children. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is sent from God the Father. Remember, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're one. Their mission is one. So we see the Holy Spirit flowing from God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son to give life to those that God gave Him before the foundation of the world. What a picture the salvation that this shows us. John chapter 15 and verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. How are we clean? By the washing of the water of the Word of God. It brings us back to that river of life, doesn't it? it said it was clear as a crystal. What does that mean? It means it's pure, it's perfect. There are no... What do you call them? There's no impurities. Thank you. There are no impurities in this water of life. Just as there was no impurity in the blood that bought this life for you. You see, all of this points to Jesus Christ. The perfect man that walked a perfect life, doesn't it? All of it that points to Him. Abide in me, verse 4. John chapter 15 and verse 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me we're part of him see we belong to him the branch belongs to the vine everything that the branch needs to live comes through the vine The vine gets its nutrients where? From the ground and the water. The ground, of course, in this new Jerusalem is holy ground. Why? Because God's there. Because of His presence. The water is pure, life-giving water even from the throne 
of God. We dwell in Jesus Christ. He dwells in us. Again, the vine and the branch. Now, I want us to think about the application here. I want us to think about how does this apply to me every day? How do I walk and live in the image of Christ? And I do so by being like Him, don't I? I do. The Bible says to put on the mind of Jesus. What you say... What you do, where does it originate? It originates in your mind, doesn't it? And we, when we put on the mind of Christ, we think like Him. How did He think? Well, He didn't seek His own will, did He? Not in anything. Over and over He said, Not my will be done, but Thine will be done, Father. Even facing torment, torture, and death, He said that. Yes, He said... If this cup may pass from me, but then he said, but not my will be done, but thy will be done. So to be like him is to seek God's will, isn't it? It's to do what he wants us to do. But how do we do that? All right, go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Here Paul is talking to the church at Philippi, and he's giving instructions on how to live. How to be like Christ. How to live in a way that honors Christ. So in verse 10 we see where he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Well, I don't always feel strong. How do I do that? How do I feel strong in the Lord? He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. How's that done? It's through faith, isn't it? It's through trusting in Him and putting all of my circumstances in His hands. In prayer, going to Him and trusting in Him to take me through whatever it is that I'm going through in this life that He's given me to live. So how... Are we going to be strong in the Lord and put on His might, trust in the power of His might? And then Paul explains it to the church at Philippi. He says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What did we sing? Stand up for Jesus. Stand up for Jesus. Trust in His strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Stand up for Jesus. How do you do that? What do you stand for? You stand for what He stands for, see? You stand for the truth. And you don't waver. You don't falter from it. You stand for the truth. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That sounds scary, doesn't it? Oh, but none of these things hold a candle to the power of our God. Not even close. None of these can affect us in any way unless God allows it for our good. Read the book of Job. You'll see. Job couldn't do anything. I'm sorry. Satan couldn't do anything to Job without God's permission. The same is true with you. It hasn't changed. The situation is the same. Wherefore, verse 13, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth. We're standing for truth. We have our loins girt about with truth. What does truth do? It holds everything together. It does. A lie will destroy. A falsehood will destroy and separate and confuse. But the truth does not. The truth holds everything together. Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Yes, we have righteousness. It's been imputed to us. And the Son of God earned it. Because he lived a perfect life. He pleased God for you and for me. What does the breastplate protect? The heart. The new heart that God has given you. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. When you get up in the morning, if you're heading out, what's one of the first things you make sure you do? You put your shoes on, don't you? Why? To protect your feet. Those uh, who spread the gospel, there's something said about their feet in the Bible, isn't there? Yes. Precious are the feet of those who walk to spread the gospel. We put on our shoes in the morning because we've got to face all these things up here that Paul talked about were against us. The preparation of the gospel. I've heard several different uh, ideas about what this means. I believe it means to be prepared to share the gospel in your day. I, I, I try to keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid applies to me. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Be prepared to share the gospel. Not be caught like I am in so many situations and I can't think it's a, the appropriate thing to say. But be prepared. To be instant in and out of season. Whenever it's convenient and you planned on it, and whenever it's not convenient and you didn't plan on it, 
be be instant and ready to share the gospel. And then above all, take the shield of faith. The shield of trusting in Jesus Christ and His power. He has all the power in heaven and and, and earth. And we not only have access to Him, but we are part of Him as the branch growing from the vine. What a Savior. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All again. Remember we quoted in Romans 8, all things work for good to those that love the Lord. Those that are the called according to what? His purpose. Oh, God gets all the glory, doesn't He? And take the helmet of salvation. What does the helmet protect? I used to ride a motorcycle every day. And I put my helmet on. But I couldn't afford to damage this little old brain I got. And it's important that we protect our mind. What does the helmet protect? It protects our mind, doesn't it? Absolutely. We have the mind of Christ if we put Him on. We have the mind of Christ if we seek in Him, seek Him and trust in Him in all that we do. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, Amen. which is the Word of God. Don't pass by that word take. God said when He drove men out from the garden, except man put forth his hand and take of the tree of life. Remember that? Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Well, that's our life right there, the Word of God. It's the manna from heaven. Oh, but Jesus is the manna from heaven. That's right. Jesus is the Word. The Bible tells us that very thing. He lives in this Word. It's alive to those that love it, those that love Him. We need to protect our minds. The things of the world, they're powerful. Yes, we overcome them. But we have to continue to overcome them, don't we? We need to protect our minds. A lot of times that's through the eyes. What do we let ourselves see? What do we let ourselves watch? What do we let ourselves participate in? The world does have an effect. Oh, but though... We have tribulation in the world. What did the Lord say? He said, Be happy anyway. Be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. Amen. Praise God. What a Savior we have.